The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 6.30 chair. TJ Oshie gets the only goal in the shootout, and the Edmonton Oilers settle for a single point tonight. Final score, Washington 2, Edmonton 1. Jujar Kara back into the lineup, gets his first goal of the season. Laurent Brassois in goal tonight for the Oilers. He makes 18 saves, was only beaten by Dmitry Orloff in the third period. 2-1, Capitals take it. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. We'll also have post-game reaction coming up. And the Edmonton Eskimos won today 39-32 over Winnipeg. Dave Campbell's going to join us from Winnipeg later on to break down that one. Well, Rob, I, I called the game a, a game of almosts in the second period. Uh, at times, I felt like and I think both teams worked hard. I think probably both teams can go home feeling, well, we played good, not great, but good. But at times I felt like I was watching a game of guys trying to hack at bouncing pucks. I know the ice uh, at Capital One Arena has been criticized in, in the past. There, there was a lot of, uh, not necessarily scrambly play, but just plays that weren't quite finished or that wound up being well defended in the end. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with what you just said at the end there, well defended. I think both teams did a very good with back pressure. I think both teams did a, a good job of managing the puck. Uh, there when they were in the offensive zone, both teams did good. had a good third man high. They did good when they had to pinch. There wasn't a, a pinch on a bad play. They read the plays well. So I, I think it was a well-played game defensively by both teams. And unfortunately, when you play a game, by both teams play very good defensively, there's not going to be a lot of great a, grade-A scoring chances. And it seemed like when there was a grade-A scoring chance, it was about a 45-second of both teams had two or three, and then we had about 12 to 14 minutes of just ping-pong in the neutral zone. With about five minutes left in the second period, the shots were 14-11 for the Capitals. They wind up 30-19 for the Oilers. So Edmonton out shooting the Caps 19-5 over the final 20 minutes, including 12-5 in the third period. A pretty good third period for the Oilers. Really, the Capitals took advantage of their only scoring chance. I know Kara lost his guy, but it all started about 30 seconds before that weak play uh, on the wall by the Oilers not getting it out. Yeah, and it usually comes back to haunt you. You're giving skilled players you know, extra time in the offensive zone. And you get the puck out, all of a sudden they all have to regroup, and normally they just dump it in because you force them, and, and you finally get the puck. When you keep the puck in your own zone, when you don't get it out when you should, now you're running around. And the Oilers actually got into pretty good defensive positioning, but a, a young player got taken advantage of. A, a good, good give-and-go by Orlov. Carrot watches where the pass goes, and then or- Orloff jumps by him. Smart play by Orloff, not a smart play by Kara. And I, I honestly think in the last 35, 40 minutes of the game, that might have been the Capitals' only goal-scoring chance, and they took advantage of it. Yeah, 2-1, the Capitals take it. So uh, another tough night offensively from the Oilers. They do go 2-1-1 and on this four-game road trip, coming home to play Vegas on Tuesday. We'll get to your phone calls in a minute. Let's go back to Washington. Here's Oilers goaltender Laurent Ferguson. <laughs> They're no fun for a goalie. No, I mean, you don't, never want to go to the shootout. You want to win as quick, quickly as possible. Uh, but having said that, it's a good opportunity to try to steal a win. Um, 
but it's unfortunate that I uh, couldn't do that. How did you think you played? I thought you played a strong game considering you hadn't played in a month. Um, I felt great out there. Um, I was seeing the puck and I, and I was feeling my movements was uh, was feeling good. Um, having said that, um, you know the one mistake I made on the goal um, hurts. But um, having said that, I think that's a good f first game after a while to to build on. I think you made a mistake on the tying goal. You mean not the shootout? The tying goal. The tying goal. Yeah. I, uh, deep in the net or you didn't get no, 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 no. I earlier in the play, I uh, I should have uh, froze it. My I made a little mistake there. <laughs> And on the shootout, like it went off your stick and then through your legs. On the on the yeah, I uh, it's funny. Um, I was told that oh she likes to go five full on a shootout, uh, so I was prepared for it. And you still snuck it through. Was that your first shootout in the NHL? I don't think so. No, I think I had one against Winnipeg. Well, Laurent Brassois taking some responsibility for the tying goal, saying you should have frozen the puck earlier in the sequence, but he plays a solid game. 18 saves on 19 shots. Holtby, 29 saves on 30 shots. In the shootout, it was Oshie scoring. Dreisaitl hit the post. Kuznetsov couldn't tuck it behind Brassois. McDavid shot wide. Backstrom unable to beat Brassois. And then Letestu sh uh, stopped by Holtby. First shootout of the year for the Oilers. They're now 6-9-2 and two on the season. Laurent Brassois selected as the second star tonight. Holtby the first star. Orloff the third star. Rob's going to give out the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, anybody that comes out of the press box and, and contributes off offensively, especially in a game where he was the only offensive Offensive threat, uh, Jujar Kara. I thought you know he, he made a, a mistake on the goal against, but he scored the goal. He had some good shifts offensively, uh, and I think played well enough to to earn another chance to play again on Tuesday. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Eugene on the line. Hey, Eugene. Hey, how's it going? Good. I just wanted to touch on two things, man. I guess um, the Oilers continue to get a ton of shots. I think going into the game night, they were third in the league and shots, but they just can't seem to score more than one or two goals a game. Do you guys think eventually the floodgates are going to open and they're going to start getting maybe three goals a game? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, Maroon had seven shots. He had another four that missed. He's not going to miss that many opportunities, especially that close. McDavid had a couple of good opportunities. Um, they are eventually going to get pucks in, that are going to go in for them. Another thing, too, no power plays. Yeah. So all of these shots are coming five on five, which is good. So the first thing you say when you're an offensive player, I want the opportunities. I want to continue to get the chances. If I am, then things are going all right. Eventually, they will go in for the Oilers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a little bit of puck luck tonight, and they win this hockey game. Exactly. And I think the second thing I wanted to touch on, I just thought uh, Pulley RV had another pretty strong game. He, he seems to be working a lot harder and more sound defensively than he was last year. So I think what you guys thought of his game. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I thought he looked fine tonight. Um, looked comfortable. Didn't look out of place. And, and the little things are, are what kept him out of the National Hockey League. And I think he's much better at that. He talked about going down to the minors and working on little things. And it shows. Yeah, he looked fine. Played 15-41. Got a shot. Didn't have as many shots as, as yesterday. But a tight checking game and like we said Rob a lot of passes tipped or intercepted at, at the last second so Oilers take a 2-1 shootout loss to the Capitals tonight the one goal means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation for Booster Juice an oasis of freshness in a fast paced world you can track the total on the Oilers page on 630ched.com we're going to get to head coach Todd McClellan in a couple of minutes here but let's bring Alex onto the open line hi Alex hi how are you guys doing good 
good. You know what? Uh, I'm hanging on, my friends. You know, as a fan here, I tell you, you know, uh, we got four games next to the West, and uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to. I mean, you know, I'm not going to assume anything about what's happening this year. I mean, Vegas and whatever, but you know what? St. Louis, we got two games here, and Dallas coming up here. And I got to tell you, I'm getting pumped again here. You know, we're hanging on. I don't know why, but uh, I don't want to get critical. You know, I, I could probably sit here for half hour and get critical about everything, you know, and because uh, that's, that's the way I run, because, you know, us, all their fans are, you know, we demand uh, honor and respect, you know, when you when you go out there, you give her, you give her, you know what I mean, for 40 seconds, eh? But anyway, I want to ask you one question. Do you know how Ethan Bear and, and Jones and uh, Benson are doing the minors? Yes, I can tell you right now. I know Ethan Bear has been a scratch some games uh, for the Condors. I think they got a lot of defensemen. Okay. Uh, Bear has... They haven't been scoring a lot lately. Bear has uh, five points in eight games. Not bad, eh? And Jones has four points in 12 games. So Jones has been playing every game. Yeah. Uh, I and I think, Jones, I, I, I think I watched... Jones is a better all-round prospect, Alex. Right on. Same here. I, I saw him in the Young Stars there and picked him there. Oh, nice, and yeah. Yeah, he looked like a big body. He looked like he was had control out there. And, you know, I know it's just the young stars, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask the question. Do uh, you know what's going on with Benson? Is he still injured? or No, he played for Vancouver tonight. I think Bob said he oh, had a sorry. couple of assists. Nice. Uh, yeah, Vancouver beat the Oil Kings 8-7. It was 8-1 after oh. two periods. <laughs> oh, the Oil wow. Kings got six goals in the third but lost. Crazy game. Oh, boy. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. All right, 780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, back to the phone lines in a second. Our adjustment of the game is for Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to say you know Puliarvi coming up and playing has been a, a good adjustment. Kara getting in and scoring is a good adjustment. But like Alex said, or was it Eugene? One of the guys said you know, like they, they're scoring one or two goals a game despite all the shots. No, you referenced they they, had, they haven't had a power play for a game and a half. Mm-hmm. They they got one halfway through the second period against uh, against the Rangers, and when they have had power plays, it's still in the bottom six in the NHL. So you hope that's one thing that starts creating a, an extra goal here or there, and that allows them to eke out some extra points here and there. Well, the power play getting some and and getting it going in the right directions. The f- the fact that Puliyarvi now is. Uh, playing with RNH, hopefully that'll be a spark that RNH has someone with some offensive flare, flare playing with him, and hopefully the a number of players who the expectations, especially in the bottom six. I mean, there's guys like a Cassian, a Latestu, a Jokinen, a Strom. No one expected them to be 20, 25 goal scorers, but to have what is it one? Uh, even strength goal. Yeah, Latestu has two power plays. Strom has an even strength. Casting hasn't scored at all. Jokinen obviously is was a healthy scratch tonight, and his replacement scored. So so good for Kara. Um, now Latestu would have played more tonight if they get a power play, yes. power player two. But yeah, I mean it's you know the the record is not great six nine and two. If you're tracking playoff spots, they're four points out of a playoff spot. So there's a, there's a lot to be decided. But I still go back to Rob the 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 play on the road. Has not been an issue. Nope. They're three, three, and two on the road. It's that's an okay record. Mm-hmm. That's it's a very great, respectable. But, it, yeah. but it's a respectable yep. road record. The the problem is, and that's what makes me nervous coming home against a Vegas team that works very hard. the The problem has been loose play on the road at, at home. I mean, they they just haven't got as good a goaltending at home, and they haven't played 
they haven't been as desperate defending on home ice. I don't think. No, you're right. They they weren't as hungry. The last home game they had. Who did they struggle? Who was the last one before they went Four on the road trip? Detroit. Yeah, were, I, that was their worst game of the year by far. And there was just no desperation, no hunger in their game. And tonight they were very detailed. This entire road trip, very detailed. Could have gone four and zero. The last road trip they went on, they they went one one and one. Easily could have won all three because they're in every game. So they need to play with the same type of desperation on, on home ice. They are playing very good defensive hockey right now. And you've got to think, when you when you play a team like Washington and, and you go into their barn and, and you shut them down like they did, especially over the last 30 minutes of this hockey game, you're going to get better results than you did tonight with, with the loss and the shootout. So this they are going in the right direction. And now they've got the next four games are against teams in their own conference. They become much more important. It's one thing to lose in a shootout to Washington. You get one point, that's good. Washington gets two, doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you in the playoffs. But now you're playing against teams. Every time you play a Western Conference team, it's a four-point game. And the Oilers now get four in a row against the Western Conference. They were built to play against Western Conference teams, and now they're going to get the opportunity to start moving up in their conference in the standings. Let's go back to Washington. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Well, I thought we played a pretty solid game for uh, for a full 65 minutes and uh, perhaps our best played game on the road. Um, it's unfortunate we didn't come away with with two points. We're still struggling to score, uh, but I liked uh, a lot of our players and I liked a lot about our game tonight. You like the supporting cast guys better tonight you were talking about? The I did there. Uh, you know, some of them showed up with some urgency and uh, it paid off. We were able to... Uh, to, uh, to get something out of those bottom six players, and uh, that's nice to see. Now we'll carry it forward. you got a little momentum going. Let's, let's uh, put it on the ice again Tuesday and, and repeat it. Is that what you saw from Kyra? Yeah, he was see? urgent. He was urgent. He, wanted, he played like he wanted to stay in the lineup tonight, and he will. He'll get another chance on Tuesday. He said he was at fault on the, on the tangle. Mistakes are made. No one's playing perfect, and... Uh, you know, if you go out and you compete and, and battle hard, um, we don't expect you to be perfect. Uh, we can recover from those types of mistakes. And uh, his game as a whole was was one we needed, and uh, we're happy for him. We need him to continue now. Todd, can you just discuss the first shootout? I mean, you're almost a quarter of the season. Is it a little bit difficult for guys to kind of get in that mode when they haven't had a chance to be in one yet? Um, you know what? That's probably a good point, Gene. Um, we haven't been in one, and... and um, you know, practice time, we do go to a shootout every now and then, but uh, for the goaltender and our shooters, it's uh, been a long time coming, and uh, we've been fortunate enough to win in overtime a number of times, so, uh, um, you know, it's probably a good point by you. Three um, th- three overtime games and, and four in this road trip. Was this a, a difficult road trip for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, they're all difficult. When you leave your your own building and you, and you head on the road, doesn't matter if you're coming east or west, uh, the teams are so close and um, uh, the games are so fiercely fought that uh, they're all tough and uh, the swing isn't easy. The, the New York area and then coming down to play a good team in Washington uh, will take the five of eight. We wish we could have got more, uh, but now we've got a, a real test ahead of us going home where we haven't performed well. Very good. Yep, solid, confident, not a lot of garbage around the net. Um, played well. Looking at scoring from, you know, the bottom six and kind of getting more out of your offense, do you think that this road trip has been a step in the right direction? Uh, tonight was. Uh, earlier in the road, no. Um, we were begging for more from a lot of those players. And, and uh, 
And although we only got one tonight, I thought they were dangerous when they were out there, and we'll take that. One line with Maroon. Maroon had four chances in the last. Yeah, he had, you know, him and uh, we expect that from Connor's line. And uh, I thought we had a lot of chances in and around the paint, more so than we've had lately, and we got to some of the rebounds. So it'll come. It'll come eventually. What do you think is the biggest um, thing that the team needs to improve on, you know, following this road trip? Well, we need a little more scoring. That's where we're, we're going to concentrate, penalty kill, power play. It's early in the year. Our whole game has to polish up a little bit. Well, absolutely, and scoring remains a concern. I mean, they're the last place team in the league in goals for per game, so that's a, that's a no-door. You don't, you don't hear Todd get as upset about uh, a lack of scoring if they work hard and, mm-hmm. and defend, and I thought it, he wasn't going to heap on J.J. Carrick. missed an assignment that led to a goal, had a good game otherwise, and that's probably the type of play for a young player, Rob, and I'm sure you were there when you were... Well, by about eight or nine, you'd already perfected the game. But prior, <laughs> but prior to that, you know, he's—that's he, not going to happen again to Kara. He knows. No, it, no it's no. not. And I—I've I, made the exact same play. I remember playing against the New York Rangers. Brian Re- Brian Leach did the same thing to me. I, I watched him make a pass, and I watched where the puck went. And I turned around, and he's getting the puck in the slot, and I watched him score. Um, It—it's for two reasons that that happens. One, he's a young player, Kara, and you'll learn from him. And the other one, when you don't play. And he hasn't played in a while. Little things like that, uh, you just you don't practice that in practice. So it's something he's going to be better at. I, I liked what Todd said. Is you know mistakes are made, and you can go through the lineup top to bottom. Everybody makes mistakes. What he doesn't want is a lack of effort. He doesn't want is a lack of compete. And Jujar Kara had a very good compete level tonight. So so it was good. And and he also talked about the fact that the goals will come. If you play good defensive hockey, you're in every game and the others are that right now, eventually they'll get some breaks around the net. We have Chris on the open line. Hey, Chris, thanks for calling in. You're on with Robin Reed. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Jujar Kara t- tonight, I think, was probably one of the best players on the ice. Um, so it's a good uh, good stream from what you guys were just talking about. Um, the, the first period for that guy was uh, extremely amazing, uh, especially on the boards. Um, the thing that I, I don't know how many people saw this, but he, when he was on the boards at the first period, he, he was pushing the puck to the middle, to McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, both sides of the ice, and uh, to, just to try, because he, he knows how skilled those guys are with the puck. Um, and, and just pushing that puck to the middle of the ice, just just to try to to get some kind of momentum going. Well, um, yeah, so Kara, I just to, yeah, just like Kara got a couple shifts there when Maroon was off for the, for the fight, and and he is a he is a big man. So Todd often talks about playing over top of the puck. So if he's going to get out there and be effective, you got to get over top of the puck because even if you don't, if he doesn't get it. He's big enough. He's he's gonna make sure the other guy doesn't get it clean. So yeah, he exactly. was much better checking tonight. What was your other point? Exactly, and and, and I think the third period, not not really the second period because he didn't have too much presence. But the third period, uh, that that board presence for for Kara was was amazing. And and if you don't mind me me switching the subject real quick, um, uh, I I really wanted to to express some kind of like social media aspect um, towards uh, the fans. Just to kind of say, uh, let's let's all just be a little bit more positive, um, because uh, lo and behold, I mean, we're, those guys are they're all real young, 
and they're all real social media aspect kind of people. Uh, and and wh- whether we like it or not, they they look at it. And um, if, if if we kind of just be like kind of like good fans and positive fans, um, and and stop being a lot more negative. I mean, let's let's. I, I think it might be a, a little bit, just a little bit more helpful. Chris, appreciate the sentiment, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We've got a full board of calls. Everybody will get in. We've got to do a quick ninety second news and weather update. The Oilers get a point for a shootout loss. Two one Washington take it takes it. The Eskimos won the West semifinal earlier today, thirty nine thirty two over Winnipeg. Wasn't quite that close. Winnipeg got a touchdown on the final play of the game halfway through the fourth quarter. The Eskimos were up thirty nine sixteen. Dave Campbell will join us from Winnipeg as well to fill you in on what happened there. Canadian Brewhouse over time open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Caps now with some numbers coming the other way. It's a centering pass. Smith Pelly backdoor and Ovechkin robbed by Laurent Brassois. Got it with a left skate. And Ovechkin who's tied for second in the league with 13 goals denied. Save of the game, Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Laurent Brossois, just his second start and fourth appearance of the season. He makes 18 saves. Braden Holtby makes 29 at the other end. The Capitals take it 2-1 in a shootout. Kara and Orloff both scoring early in the third period. Guess who? TJ Oshie had the only goal in the entire shootout. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Hope you've had a great weekend. Thanks for wrapping it up with us. It's 8.33, and we'll bring Sean in on the open line. Good evening, Sean. How's she going tonight, boys? Pretty good. Hey, I just I'll start off with a couple pauses. I thought LB looked good tonight and Pooley Arvey, but uh, I think that a lot of the Oilers' scoring problems come with uh, I've never seen a net front presence quite as bad as theirs. you got Mer- uh Lucic, he stands in front of the goalie till the shot comes and then he flanks out. And then uh, uh, another couple ish- or questions I had for you guys. I have well, two or three here. Um, we can't score, so uh, we keep throwing the same lines out. Letestu's on the power play every time. Shoot out, everybody knows what he does. He does the same move every time. And uh, we need scoring. Malone's out there. I understand penalty killing because we can't do that, so we're kind of. But you know, uh, Good, good coaches demote good players. Marner's playing on the fourth line in Toronto. We keep throwing Lucic and Maroon up, giving them every chance. They play on the first and second lines every night. I know we don't have a lot of depth, but when you're 30th in scoring, you got to try something different. Well, I think you make a good point about the net presence, Sean, and, and Rob talked about that, specifically about Lucic and other guys moving out of the way. I, I know what you're saying, that sometimes you have to demote good players, but I don't want to see UC Jokinen getting a chance on the first line. I don't want to see Iro Pakarinen on Connor McDavid's left wing. I don't no, want to I see Brad Malone. Like, like, I don't know who else you put there at this point. And, I mean, at least Maroon has four goals. At least Lucic has ten points. Like, I, I just don't know who else they, they, they can put up there right now. Yeah, they're running pretty thin. I, I was sure hoping Strom could... Get, get a little more done there. I think Cooley gonna he looks pretty good. But the boys just need a little puck luck. They're playing pretty good, but but uh, I think they'll get some puck luck here. But it's it's frustrating. You're losing, and they probably deserve a little better fate. But I think they need to change some things up just a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll see if they shake up the power play units when they come out on Tuesday. Obviously, they didn't get one tonight, so we don't know what they would have been. Thanks, Sean. 
Well, and a lot of times when, when players get moved, it's not because they're not scoring. It's because of their defensive play. And right now, yeah, the point. Oilers are playing pretty good defensive play. The five on five, they're the better team. So there are some deficiency off uh, deficiencies offensively right now with the Oilers. But I can tell you right now, if just look, you just have to look down the stat pages. There's nobody in the third or fourth lines or in the press box that can do a better job offensively because they're doing nothing at all. So, now, if guys weren't getting chances, and, yeah. we, and we have seen Maroon occasionally... Yeah, get a slight demotion, but I mean, like you said, he had seven. Did he wind up with seven? Seven shots and seven another shots, four missed shots. And about a four and about a twenty-second flurry. So I mean, like excellent point on the phone call. Excellent question. I I just don't know. There's no depth like, for the Oilers to move up, and he absolutely, he's absolutely right about the net front presence, one hundred percent. And there's been a number of examples as of, of lately about the 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 Fords being in front. Before the shot, and as soon as the shot comes, they move out of the way, allowing the goaltender access to see it. There's a great example of Clefbaum tonight. Uh, it was Nugent Hopkins came in. Clef, I think it was in overtime, wasn't it, where Clefbaum went right well, to yeah. the front of that and got in front of Holtby. Holtby didn't see that. Puck. Had no idea where the puck was. And, I mean, he was fortunate it hit him, but that was a defenseman knowing where to go, and he went and stood right in front of the eyes of Holtby. That is a good job of being a net front presence. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, that was a really good phone call, but I also look at it, too, just to play devil's advocate, so I, I like I understand. Well, sometimes if a top line guy isn't scoring, you might have to demote him as a, a quote unquote punishment. But then why are you quote unquote rewarding a lower guy at the lineup who also isn't scoring? No, well that's why they they haven't changed the lines because there's been no reason to. Nobody has played well enough in the bottom six to deserve moving up in the lineup. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got our old buddy Cam on the line. Hey Cam, fellas, how's it going? Pretty good. Good. I think Bear uh, Bear's a long ways away from playing at this level. That's my opinion. He's a good player, but uh, I, I don't oh yeah, Bear and Jones won't be here for a while, Cam. Yeah. No, the well, the guy was asking how they're doing on the farm. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought maybe he was talking about them coming up. So, but uh, Bear, I mean, Bear's a specialization or a specialty guy, and. Uh, but a great shot. Could end up being a good player down the road, so we'll see what happens. Um, I was going to say or ask a couple questions. Uh, Rob, how would you, if you were taking your team in a one game uh, for all the marbles against the Oilers, what would you tell your team to do to beat the Oilers? How, how would you, you know, just in a succinct way, how would you game plan for them, what would you try to relay through to your team? Well, it's simple. You, you, you tell them you got to shut down McDavid because they don't have secondary scoring. You have to play a disciplined game because the Oilers, uh, they may not look it right now, but the Oilers power play that we saw last year is, is ready eventually to explode. So you don't want to give them chances that way. Those would be the two biggest things. Shut down. I mean, the Oilers aren't getting secondary scoring. I mean, Kara scored tonight. That's wonderful. But they're still not getting what they need. And this is a team that can't score. Uh, they're the lowest scoring team in the National Hockey League. So if you shut down their best player, which is McDavid, you have a good chance of winning hockey games. Right on. Yeah, no, for sure. One of the things I thought was encouraging tonight, I've always thought that if I was, if I was coaching against the Oilers, what I would do is I would tell my guys, volley with them, just volley with them. And, and let's, let's not give, let's not, let's not be too risky Let's just volley. Let's just punch, counter punch, because they might cave at the end. And I thought tonight was a really good example 
of, of them getting back to last year. We didn't cave at the end, and uh, I think some of that had to do with uh, I think that some of that had to do with Bosaw. I think he brings, uh, you know, I think he brings a big, strong presence. He doesn't get sucked back in his net. He's just got such good body language. Now, here's here's my final comment on on Brassaw. Uh, um, I don't think I've ever seen a goaltender improve more than he has from the very first game he played last year, when he looked good. But I mean, pucks were hitting him and bouncing off him. His crew was brutal. But, you know, he was there, but it's just he was not in control. And, and his improvement is so high. I have to ask the question, I mean, should we not be considering investing in this kid? His ceiling could be well, much, much yeah, better than... But, I mean, he's sure, going to be a yeah. backup goaltender here for a long time. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I think they like Nick Ellis a lot on the farm team. So I think there's going to be some, some competition there. So... I mean, he he had yeah. a good game tonight. He was not good in his last game. That's one of the reasons he's only playing his second. Or that was only his second start of the year. Uh, he's got potential. Where it is, we don't know. But right now, you've got a, a starting goaltender here in Cam Talbot that will play sixty to seventy games every year for how long's his contract for? Reed, what's Cam well, got? It's now? over after next year. But well, well then they're going to They're going to be extending him, so Bressois will not be a starter here in Edmonton for for a long time. Yeah, I mean, like Ellis is up. Ellis is uh, up after this year. Bressois up after this year, Cam. So they'll probably look at how Brassois does if they need to bring Ellis up at some point, how he does uh, on the farm, and then and then they'll take it from there. But tonight was I a just, good... Brassois had four appearances. Two were good, one was bad, and the one where he came in against Ottawa late in the game, I I don't even evaluate because it was over. That game was over anyway. Tim, I'm a huge ceiling guy. I just I think this kid's going to end up being a great goaltender somewhere. I really do. Yeah, but the thing is, we already know that Talbot is, so that's why he's going to be the starter. <laughs> Cam, we'll talk to you next time, okay, buddy? Hey, boy. See you later. All right, 780-496-0063. You're going to hear from Darnell Nurse. Dan's going to finish the play when we get back in a shootout. Caps 2, Oilers 1, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Final Broadcast in Washington, Center. Capitals 2, Oilers 1. It was in a shootout. The Oilers get a point. They're 6-9-2 and two on the season. They're 3-3-2 three, three and two on the road. They're only 3-6 and six at home. They're home to Vegas on Tuesday night. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, thanks a lot for tuning in. Eskimos won in Winnipeg. Dave Campbell will talk about that in a few minutes. We have Dan on the open line. Hey, Dan. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing quite well. Oh, good. Um, I have a couple points. Uh, the Oilers played really well tonight. I felt like the the officiating was definitely one-sided. I don't understand how there was an hour play the whole game. Um, Nurse, I mean, how good is he? He's coming into his own. He's just been playing great, lights out. Um, the the main point I want to talk about is, you know, I was looking back over the last five games. The Dreisaitl McDavid line doesn't have a five on five goal in five games. Now, it's time. It's time to split them up. We can't score. Okay, okay. Before you go any further, did you hear Todd McCullen talk about this before the game? Yeah. Okay, now who, if you are going to split them up, what lines are you putting together? Okay, so you have Dreisaitl, McDavid, Nuge. I, that's unbelievable. Build down the middle. Yep. The center's job is a playmaker to make the wingers around you better. So 
I understand. Okay, if that's the case, then Con- if that's the case, then how come Connor McDavid hasn't made Drysaddle and Maroon better the last five games? Because it's gone stale. It's gone stale, and you can see those plays. There's a play either in the first period or the second period where Drysaddle was coming in over the blue line. He stopped, came to a dead stop, and he's trying to feed the puck through the defenseman's legs to get it to Connor. That's it's so predictable. They but, know every but, team knows they're just going to try and get it to each other. Well, that's not true. I mean, they passed him room. Room had seven shots and eleven shot attempts tonight. The problem for the this is what Todd McClellan said, and this is what Reed and I talked about. The Oilers have no scoring depth on the wings. None. But how Nobody. do you know that? How do you know that? Because none of their wingers are scoring. Or Rob, they don't have any centers to play with. Well, Nugent Hopkins has been playing with Lucic all year long, and Lucic has two. What's he have? Two goals on the season. I think he has four. Four goals on the season. And then and then his wingers have had hardly any goals all season long. There's no, None of the wingers down below have scored. Nugent Hopkins has played Sorry, with Kajula, Slepeshev. He's played with Pugliarvi. So these guys, they're not scoring at all. So the, the problem, the others have no scoring depth on the wings. They have none. So if you split them up and put them all on separate lines, now Drysettle's playing with a, a Jokinen and a Kara. Or uh, who was their third line tonight? Kara and Pakarinen. So that's your that's your third line playing with Drysaddle. That's a waste of Drysaddle. Well, nobody thought Drysaddle and Slepeshev would work in the playoffs, but it did. Well, but, Drys- Drys- Slepeshev had one. What what Slepeshev have in the playoffs? How many goals did he have? They get three. And he got, but he was with Drysaddle at the end. Dan, it's you guys could go back and forth all night. It, it, I mean, there's I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer. When they're not scoring that much, well, Rob thinks there is because he wants McDavid and and Drysaddle. Oh, I, I said all the I time. would split those two up if there was someone to play with Drysaddle. There isn't, right? And I also, but one thing Dan said, and I, and I think or one thing uh, McClellan said, Dan, and I think this is a, an interesting comment. He doesn't want to quote unquote punish Nuge by moving Nuge down in the lineup. He thinks he should stay yeah. where he is. No, and that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you can also move Dry to the third line, second line, it's really interchangeable. You can give them the same amount of ice time. It doesn't matter. But, no, that's true. But right now, his line mates would be Packer Renan and Jujar Kara. That's your third line right winger and left winger. Well, but you'd also have to move somebody up to the right. So then you might, right so you got even less. Packer Renan that would have to go up there. So now you got Malone and Jujar Kara as your third line wingers. Or Cassian, who has had a horrible start to the season. I mean, I guess you could move Strom up to the right wing. Leave Nuge's line the same and put Drysital with. So you're putting Strom up, who's had a terrible start to the season. You're promoting him. I would. I don't know if Strom is terrible. This might be. No, I said a terrible start to the season. But Rob, that's what I'm saying. You got to get these guys going because no one's had a chance to play with McDavid. It's only been Yamamoto for three game or four games, and Drysital was out. And Drysital, no one else has given a shot there. And you have to get these guys going. Well, to me, and this is the same thing Todd McClellan said, I disagree. I simply, no one has shown that they're capable of playing top six on the wing. Nobody. All right, Dan, you're going to finish the play. Kellen, what do you have? Two out of six in shootouts. Picks it up over the blue line. Top of the circle. Snaps it. Dan, that, Dan, that was McDavid's shootout attempt. Did he score or not? Unfortunately not. Two out of six in shootouts. Picks it up over the blue line. Top of the circle. Snaps it. And hope he might have gotten a piece. All right, Dan, you win. Finish the play. Eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com.
in a shootout. Capitals 2, Oilers 1. TJ Oshie, who else gets the only goal in the shootout? We got Blake on line 5. Hey, Blake. Hey, guys. Um, uh, we got the points tonight, so that, that was a good thing. But, yeah, the scoring has really been struggling this season. And uh, they better step up their game here because they have a tough schedule coming up here. Well, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think they got to approach every game that like it's difficult. Vegas works very hard, so the Oilers better play a more determined game on home ice. I mean, I think on the road, despite the lack of scoring on the road, they've played a determined game and they defended pretty well and they've had at least average or above average goaltending in their last seven or eight road games. Well, probably really every road game. Mm -hmm. I guess Talbot got pulled in the very first one. Brassois came in off the bench and did well. I I just, they, they have to take this mentality of that they had this set of four games and now take it on home ice because the Vegas Gold Knights, if we just look at the very next game, Blake, will work extremely hard. They will work extremely hard, and they've been winning games down to their fourth-string goaltender some nights. They haven't been as good in uh, in November as they were in October, but they still have a very good record. Sound good, Blake? All right, Blake's gone, I guess. Also today... 39-32 Eskimos over Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the West semifinal. Dave Campbell, color commentator for our broadcast on 6:30 Chet and today on Kiss and Country 103.9. Dave, how's it going? It's uh, going good, Reed. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny when you say 39-32. I'm going well. That that score kind of flatters the Bombers a bit, considering what happened in that second half. Uh, the Eskimos really feasted on a lot of mistakes by the Bombers and. Uh, they turned a lot of those mistakes into points. So let's talk about a play in the third quarter. For people who didn't see this game or maybe saw parts, it was 10-10 at halftime. I thought a pretty well-played half. Some good offensive plays, some good defensive plays. The Eskimos get a punt single. They're up 11-10. The Bombers, uh, what were they, Dave? Third and three? Was it on their own 42? Is that the right field position? Uh, I think it was a little bit uh, a little bit deeper than that. I think okay. it was uh, around the... Oh boy, thirty-five or forty-yard line, I believe. So. Okay, so what? I mean, we know Winnipeg is known for the special teams, but tell us about that fake punt and the reaction to it, and, and how it changed the game. Yeah, you know, it was a direct snap to, to uh, Timothy Flanders, who's uh, one of the. Uh, he's a complimentary back to Andrew Harris, who's the feature back in the Bombers' offense. And uh, I thought, looking at it again, and Morley mentioned it on the on the broadcast. It looked like Justin Medlock, the punter, moved a bit early, so that was kind of a tell that uh, that a fake was on, and a good reaction by the Eskimos, especially receiver Corey Watson, who was on the uh, punt return unit, and a nice reaction to Timothy Flanders, stopped him a yard short of the first down, and then the Eskimos punched the ball into the end zone a few plays later with uh, C.J. Gable, a uh, 15-yard touchdown, and then the Eskimos uh, would go on to a uh, 29-6 run before the Bombers kind of made the score a little bit more respectable. So uh, the Eskimos won the turnover battle 3-0, and that's interesting because the Bombers throughout the regular season were 12-2 and uh, when winning the turnover battle and 0-4 and in the regular season when losing. So, Dave, the, when you go back to that the fake punt that didn't go, I'm watching that and I'm thinking risk-reward. Yeah. just It's 10-10. Your defense obviously is playing pretty good, held them to 10 points in the first half. You kick a punt there, you pin the Eskimos deep, and you can win a field, you can also get better field positioning if you hold them. So the reward for, for getting a first down, you're still in your half. I don't understand why you would do a fake punt at that point in a game that's 
you're, you're comfortably in and your defense is playing very, very well. And I think that debate was raging among the uh, faithful at the Investors Group Field in, uh, in Winnipeg, uh, 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 Rob. I think that's a good point uh, that you make because at that point, you're only down by one point. You have the game, you know, not relatively in control, still a close game at that point, but, you know, the game is still uh, is still in question. You have a lot to, uh, you know, you have a, a lot to be decided at that point. The offense was playing pretty well with Andrew Harris. Um, the defense was putting a lot of pressure on Mike Riley up to that point. And, you know, we know Mike O'Shea, the head coach, and he's a special teams guru, um, and he's not he's not afraid to take a risk like that. And i got to think that call came from the bench, being it was a direct snap. Uh, but at that point in the football game, it's, uh, it is very questionable. And the Eskimos, hey, good job on them to snuff it out and to uh, force a turnover and then to put the ball in the end zone. All right, Dave, thanks a lot for chiming in tonight. Of course, we'll have uh, a lot more on 6.30, Chet, throughout the week. West final in Calgary next Sunday at 2.30. Going to be a beauty. Take care, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, Dave Campbell checking in from Winnipeg. Eskimos win 39-32. Like we said, they got up 39-16 halfway through the fourth quarter, and the Bombers' last touchdown and two-point convert was actually with no time on the clock. So the Eskimos had already won it, whether they would have got uh, allowed that touchdown or not. Oilers lose 2-1 in a shootout to Washington. We've got about a minute here for JP. Go ahead, JP. Or do we have JP at all? Hello, JP. He's in the bar right now. He's, he's near not, the band he's, warming he's up. Gone. He just went up to order a drink. He missed his big chance. All right, that's okay. I'm sure we'll talk to to JP later on in the season. You're still going to hear from Darnell Nurse. we got time for you to chime in on the open line, 780-496-0063. Want to check the Advantage Trailers out-of-town scoreboard. We told you about the Eskimos winning. The uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat Ottawa 31-20 in the East. In the NHL, LA leads San Jose 1-0 in the first. The Lightning win again 2-1 over the Ducks. They're 14-2-2 to start the season. And the Devils fell behind Chicago 4-1 in the first period, but come back to win 7-5. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This against the Caps historically. Backhand wraparound and a save made on Holpe. Rebound score! And it's J.J. Kara with his second career NHL goal in his 32nd game. Kara, the only goal for the Oilers tonight. Orloff had a goal for the Capitals. They went to a shootout. Oshie had the only goal in the shootout. Capitals take it 2-1. Oilers get a point to go 2-1-1 on their road trip. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. We turn that on whenever the Oilers get five or more in a game. Then you can go to 630ched.com slash Oilers and print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations, downtown Southside and Northside. It's 9.06 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. 780-496-0063 is the open line. We have John standing by. Hey, John. Hi. Good evening. How are you guys? I agree with Rob. Oilers badly in need. When they got rid of Taylor Hall, they got no winger. No left winger, no right winger. They can't score. you got to remember when Maroon come, he was an 8-10 to 10 goal scorer. They all overachieved last year. Well, this year they're not overachieving because they don't have the talent. That's That's the way I see it myself. Well, I mean, a good point by you on that is a lot of players had career years last year, 
And right. so they, they did things that they'd never done before. Now, a couple of those were young players with not a lot of track record. So we expect that a dry settle and a McDavid are going to continue to improve. But a Cassian, a Latestu, a Maroon, yeah. uh, a Bomb. Cassian is a bit of a downer. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a disappointing start to the season for Cassian. Uh, and obviously, he's fallen in a little bit of disfavor of the coaching staff, not getting a lot of ice time. Uh, but just not as noticeable. Tonight he played 8.40. Just don't notice him. And Cassian's a guy that doesn't have to be productive offensively to be noticed. He can change yeah. the complexion of the game just by being nasty, by being physical. And it, right. it's not there right now. So having said all of that, the the players, you know, the, the, they're not living up to the expectations. They are playing better right now. They're a better team 5-on-5. Five five. It's a game tonight that they should have won playing in Washington. So there are some positives coming out of this. They just yeah. need to somehow find a little bit of that offensive surge that they had well, last year. Yeah, when they go to a shootout against Washington, Washington's got too many goal scorers. Well, you know what? Well, Oshie's an expert, right? Hey, you know, we, we just we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. There's very few teams that you would not think that the Oilers would dominate when they get to three-on-three overtime and then a shootout. The Washington Capitals are one of those teams that actually can match Maybe not completely matched, but they can throw out skilled players in the Kuznetsov and, and Oshie and Backstrom and, and Ovechkin. Right. So they, they are very talented. So it was an exciting three-on-three, three, and then right. their, their goaltender made just one more save than our goaltender did in the shootout. Oshie yeah. is now uh, 68% in shootouts. That is, pardon, no, hold on, that's wrong. It's not quite that high. That would be scary if it's 68%. Uh, 40 divided by 73. Hang on. Fifty-five percent, which is still, still amazing. Good. Well, thirty thirty percent is a benchmark. Think, don't you think the Oilers, if they had Taylor Hall, he'd be a big help? Well, he well, would. Sure, he, he helps every team. He's he's a very very good hockey player. And unfortunately for the Oilers, the Oilers were bad for a number of years, and they needed things. They needed defense, and to get a good defenseman in Larson, they unfortunately had to give up Taylor Hall. And I'm sure yeah. that, that trade will be debated for years. And and then they had trouble with him. I know he was a puck hog, but I see now I watched <laughs> a New Jersey game. He's starting to pass the puck. They've, he's, they've he's, got him no, where he's John, he's exactly the same player as he was here. He's exactly the so? same player. Which yeah. which is a good player. Look, I'm not saying this to pick on the guy, but in, yeah. the, in the matter of honesty... There was a game here, and he was really good when they played here in Edmonton. There was a game here where when he there was a play when he rushed the puck up the ice, gained the blue line, and threw a blind diagonal pass into the slot oh, yeah, that was intercepted. Terrible for turning if, the puck if he over. did that here, Rob and I would still be taking calls on it. He's a he's still <laughs> he's still he's still an excellent player with the same strengths and the same flaws that he well, had. We here. got no guys that can score thirty goals on our team. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the one thing that we talked about right from day one uh, of training camp, Reed and I, that the Oilers, their biggest deficiency will be finding guys that can score up front on the wings. And it has come to fruition. They just aren't getting the production that they need out of their wingers. And that's something that's either going to have to be uh, addressed from within or something that they'll have to go outside the organization to fix. 2-1, the Capitals take it in a shootout. We got Rick on the line as well. Hey, Rick. Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty good. Good. Um, just one comment. You guys are awesome. I love listening to you. I do a lot of driving, and uh, yeah, this, you do a good job. Thank so you very much. First thing. Second thing, or my, one question was, as far as the power play goals, like you looked last year, Latesta was on that left side, and he was doing those one-timers from the top of that slot. And just like, you just don't see it this year, and I just don't understand. Like, I wonder why. Well, for one, the others aren't getting near as many power plays. Uh, they're just not creating enough opportunities to get themselves on the power play or just not getting the calls that they need. Um, 
the Oilers had a ton of success doing that last year. Well, every team that they play against knows that. So they're trying to take that away. Uh, and the Oilers just, I don't think they executed very well on their power plays they had earlier in the season when they were struggling. I think they tried forcing things, uh, especially in the one caller talked about McDavid and, and Drysaddle trying to play catch with each other all the time. I think they were getting guilty of that earlier this, this season. And they yeah. started getting away from things that made them successful. So, uh, yeah, the Oilers, I know that they've been working on it in their practices. Unfortunately, we just haven't seen enough power plays of late to see if that has been fixed. And, I mean, it's a guy like Mark Letest, who his ice time has been affected by the simple fact the Oilers just aren't getting very many power plays. The Oilers have had the fewest power play opportunities in the league at 47. Chicago has had the most at 77. Chicago has played one more game. So it's about two a game more. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then uh, just one comment on the three-on-threes. I know that, like, tonight it just seemed to have a little more speed out there, but there's been a couple of the overtime games where I like to put Luchik out on a three-on-three and I go, holy you know boy, what? Why would... You know what, Rick? I have a theory on that because Lucic tried to slim down a little bit over the summer and, and work on his speed. Uh, I mean, I don't think at this point in his life he's going to get much faster. I think he is who he is. But I think that was McClellan saying, like, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to make it or break it. And I don't know if you remember, I'm going to, I'm going to compare this to something that happened last year. The Oilers had a road trip early in December. They had a late lead against Buffalo, and Buffalo tied the game with the goalie out. And Matt Hendricks was on the ice, and Hendricks didn't get to his point man fast enough, and the shot got through. And Buffalo scored. And we heard about that. (laughs) Matt Hendricks was never out on the ice again in the final minute of a one-goal game. So I think Todd will give a veteran player the benefit of the doubt, but he probably won't give it to him again because Lucic hasn't played in overtime since then. Yeah, I know. That's my theory. Yeah, he got caught back there, and then you watched him chugging up there trying to catch up, and there wasn't a hope in Hades he was going to make or so. No, it's true. I mean, three-on-three is made for the the fast-skilled players. And tonight was actually a lot of fun because the Washington Capitals, they can match the Oilers with with fast-skilled players. So it was fun watching both teams go end-to-end and their little regroups in the neutral zone because they're so skilled. Uh, It was only one shot. Yeah. only one (laughs) shot on goal in overtime. (laughs) Yeah. And watching Dreisaitl and McDavid together, oh, man, that just gives you goosebumps. Every well, they had a two-on-one tonight. Puck bounced over Leon Stick. Uh, yeah, I don't think the ice was very good there tonight. I mean, obviously, we're a long ways away, but it seemed yeah. like there was a lot of scoring opportunities that were thwarted not by the players, but by the puck bouncing on them. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, they're not a long ways away. We just, we're patient people, so. Thanks, Rick. 780-496-0063. Caps take it 2-1 in a shootout. We have Will standing by. Hey, Will. Good evening, gentlemen. Good day. Yes, uh, uh, just a comment on the game tonight. Uh, good effort. Uh, we're not getting the breaks uh, as I think uh, we deserve some nights. But, you know, that's hockey, that's NHL. Uh, you got to allow and make your own breaks, I guess, by outworking another team. Uh, the The question I had for you was that the pending uh, UFA status of Maroon and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's your thought on that as far as the team? And uh, do you think that the top line should have a, a right-handed shooter? Or do you think that's working for the Oilers? Thank you. Yeah, good question. Well, Maroon, yeah, I mean, he's only making, uh, well, the Oilers are paying him 1.5. Anaheim's <laughs> paying him the rest. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one because... 
Milan Lucic has a no-trade clause and a long contract. Obviously, Nugent Hopkins is not a free agent until 2021. Drysdale and McDavid are signed long-term. I, I would imagine there's going to be a little bit of a wait and see to see how Maroon is doing. I mean, you can't extend the guy till the new year anyway. Uh, that's That could be a touchy one, Rob, because, I mean, Maroon's come in and has played the held on to the position that they thought Lucic might get. And he scored 27 last year. But I don't know if you can pay Maroon well, five, six, seven million. Because there's only so much money. Yeah. And you've got a lot of money tied up, not only in, in Connor and Leon, but Nuge and, and, and Lucic make big money. So there's a lot of money tied up in those four for you to come on as... But it, it also... It, Maroon's year is going to dictate what happens with Maroon. If Maroon comes on and has a 30-35 goal season, I mean, he's going to be more popular in the open market. Maybe he, he says, you know what, I'm going to test it. Well, and that's right. The player has some yeah. control. He can just say, no, I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I want to be a UFA. And, and every player, because of the CBA, every player gets that one chance to have that you know, open market where I'm going to have a bidding war for me type of moment. And it, usually, and it not always happens when you have a big year. So if you have that, that big season, then you want to test it. Because you you get that one kick at the the can when it comes to that, so I don't think there's going to be any thought on what Maroon gets until we're well into the season to see how he's doing and if this if a Pugliarvi can can turn it around or how Strom does this year. There's a lot of factors going to come into play before Maroon gets uh, whether the decision is made on him and a right shot with uh, I guess he meant with Maroon and McDavid. I mean they tried Strom there, they tried Yamamoto. Here's the thing. They need scoring now, so I don't want to deflect from that because that's true. But next year, mm-hmm. Yamamoto and Puliarvi could be two of your top three right wingers, if not your top two. And they're both right-handed. Yeah. So sometimes you have to look in the future before you can look at just the present. Um, I, I think that as the Oilers get closer to a trade deadline, the Oilers will assess where they are in the standings and they will decide what they need to, to make them better. And as Reed has said many times, the Oilers have usually gone into the trade deadline as sellers. This is a year that the Oilers could certainly look to be a buyer, and I think that will come into play if the Oilers get going in the right direction, which I do believe they will. Yeah. I don't know if just in theory the, the handedness of a player on that line would make a huge difference. I mean, McDavid... If it's if it's McDavid Maroon and somebody else, McDavid can can find somebody. I guess positioning can depend on whether how it's, quickly you could get the shot off. The, the, a right-handed shot would be fantastic for McDavid and Drysaddle. If you're offside winger, mm-hmm. if you you put the right-handed guy with on the left wing, now all of a sudden you got a one-timer. If you imagine a Ovechkin playing with the two well, of them, sure. there's your. So I mean that's <laughs> I mean you're not going to get an Ovechkin, but that's where a right winger would be an advantage. All of a sudden when you get a two on one, you flip flop and now you're both in your one timing positions. So yeah, it, it would be a benefit. The unfortunately for the Oilers, they don't have a whole lot of options as with right wingers. And I think Puliyarvi will stay with Nugent Hopkins. I think the first line will stay together. Hopefully they will get on track soon. As the others got a, a nice little stretch here against Western Conference teams, that they can make some hay in their conference. So hopefully the goals will start coming. And instead of talking about, you know, splitting up players or moving the lines around, we're talking about things that we can add to a team that's starting to win. Didn't ask you about this. A uh, couple. Th- we're going to get Mike from Ottawa on the show here in a second. But Jack and Bob 
didn't like the goalie interference call on Nugent Hopkins. I got to say this, and maybe Oilers fans won't like me saying this. I thought that was a definite goalie interference on Nugent Hopkins. It wasn't intentional, but the skate hit the skate and hope he falls down. I didn't think Nuge was pushed into him or anything like that. I didn't have a problem with that call. I did think if you're going to call Nugent Hopkins for that slash in overtime, then you should have called what Orloff did to McDavid a minute earlier on the breakaway. Well, okay, you and I both, when they showed the replay of the goalie interference, both of us at the same time looked at each other and said, no goal. Mm-hmm. And, and we were perfectly fine with it. His skate, it wasn't a lot, but he clipped Holtby and Holtby fell down. And I, he can say he sold it. Bob talked about the fact he thinks Holtby sold it, but I don't think Holtby's going to fall down on purpose when a shot's coming hoping from the point. Hoping he gets a call. Yeah, hoping he gets a call. You're not going to hope. So, I mean, it, it clipped him, and that's what you want. That's the way it should be called. You can't go back and say, well, they didn't call it in the playoffs last year. As my mom always says, two wrongs don't make a right. It was wrong in the playoffs. Those were terrible calls by the referees. I think the ref had this one right. Going to the, the overtime, Connor McDavid had a breakaway. Orlov hit him on the hands and knocked the puck off Connor McDavid's stick. It wasn't a lot, but Connor McDavid didn't get a shot on net. He's the best player in the world. On a breakaway, in overtime, to win a game, didn't get a shot because of a slash on the hands. They said in the preseason, any sticks to the hand area is a penalty. Yep. That's not only a penalty, that's a penalty shot because he didn't get a shot on net. 30 seconds later, comes back the other way. Nugent Hopkins back-checking. I'm not sure. I think it was Carlson was the, the defenseman jumped in the play. And the exact same. Tapped him on the hands. The puck went off. Obviously, getting smacked on the hands with a stick affects what you do with the puck. Because both Carlson and McDavid lost control of the puck on it. Both of them were penalties. First one was on McDavid. That should have been a penalty shot. And you might not have had to worry about Carlson because the game could have been over. Got Mike from Ottawa on the line. Oilers lose 2-1 in a shootout to the Capitals. Hey, Mike. How's it going, boys? Good. Good, good. I had a birthday over the weekend. I was kind of hoping that we'd win at least one game. But, you know, today we, we played pretty good and um, wasn't too bad. You know, overall it was a, a game that if you think you play that way in the long term, kind of like pie, pie guy poker, you play your odds right, you know, and maybe you'll get it. But um, I was kind of, just wanted to say that uh, I thought Nurse had a pretty good game and I'm really happy with the overall season he's been having. And to put him up on the first pairing, I kind of feel like maybe we don't have a definite number one, like top 15 D in the league, but I would say that between Larson, Nurse, and Clefbaum when he gets back to his defensive ways that we have three really good solid twos. Like the way that Nurse has been progressing, I'm really pleased. And finally, just want to ask about Nuge. When the season started, everybody was kind of talking like, you know, he's going to be the decision guy at the end of the year for $6 million. Can we keep him? But the way he's playing now and the way he's been playing this season, I kind of feel like maybe he's almost making his worth up to $6 million now. What do you guys think about that? Well, start with uh, with Darnell Nurse. I think Darnell Nurse has been excellent. I think he is playing better than I expected him to play. I think there was deficiencies in his game that he has corrected. I, tonight he played more than any of their defensemen five on five. He doesn't get the power play time, but five on five he played the most of anyone. He's playing big minutes against the other team's top players because he's in the number one pairing. And this is something last year I never would have thought would be possible. When all of a sudden we get Sekra back, and you move Benning back, and now your third pairing is going to probably be, my guess, Russ, Russell and Benning is, a, is probably your third See, pairing. Yeah, I'd actually put Russell and Secker back together. Yeah, but where are you going to put Clefbaum or Larson or, or Nurse, Nurse? Nurse stays with Larson. Yeah. Clefbaum stays with Benning. Secker really? goes with Russell. Ooh, yeah, but the third pairing in the, t- the Oilers only plays about 16 minutes. Right now, Clefbaum is playing. Well, Secker gets extra time on special teams. So you think he's in the third pairing? 
I don't know if you necessarily have to designate them that way. I, I you just go with who's ever having the best night. Uh, well, I, I see that. I personally, I think it'll be Russell and Benning. And if that is the case, you got a strong third pairing. I think Sacra coming back, whichever way you do it, all of a sudden you are much more solidified on the back end. And that's a back end that has played fairly well as of late. They Obviously with their goals against being down where it's at. So, uh, And with R&H, I think R&H's season will decide what R&H's future is with the Edmonton Oilers. And right now, it has been a very good start to the season. Let's go back to Washington. Here is Darnell Nurse. Yeah, you know what? I think... Uh we played a real solid game. Uh, put ourselves in a position where we uh, got to a skills competition there at the end. Um, but, I mean, LB played huge for us tonight. Thought uh, we defended well and you know, we, uh, we played very well. With their firepower, what did you guys do on the defensive end to, to keep them from you know, getting by? Yeah, I think everyone was committed. Uh, you see a little plays along the wall, uh, getting pucks out. Uh, when we were in our own zone, we, we held them to the outside. And like I said, it was, uh, it was a whole five-man effort, six-man effort in our uh, D zone, and that's big. Five out of eight points on this trip. What do you make of the way you guys have been playing late? Yeah. Um, you know what? I mean, even if you take away the empty net goal, they're all one, one, uh, one goal games that we played here. Um, and we got to take that as a, as a positive. We showed that uh, we could defend against some really good offensive teams and uh, it needs to continue. What progress have you guys made on this road trip other than maybe the defensive aspect? I think just all around. Um, you know, I, even you know, if you, you give up a goal, uh, we were down in a lot of these games by, by one goal and uh, we never fold our hand. We always continue to play. Um, that's, that's a good sign. That is Darnell Nurse. Another good outing for him. Oilers go 2-1-1 one, one on their road trip. They're 6-9-2 and two on the season. And I hate to harp on it, but remember earlier, they went 0-3 on a three-game homestand. All right. The Eskimos won as well, 39-32 over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You can get more on both the games, Oilers and Eskimos, on 630Ched.com. Our next Oilers broadcast is Tuesday night, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock for the start of the game. The Vegas Golden Knights, their first ever trip to Edmonton. All have inside sports from 6 to 7.30 tomorrow night. Jason Moss will be on with Morley Scott from 7.30 to 8. That'll be fun to talk to him about today's playoff victory. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer this evening. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey is Sid Smith. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre in a shootout. Caps 2, Oilers 1. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to 630 Jet.